back. <clears throat> All right, let's try this. This is the voiceover for a comedian <clears throat> movie trailer. Take one. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... Nah, I don't think so. In a land before time. It's about a comedian, Jack. One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What, what does that mean? When everything you know is wrong. That's wrong. In an outpost. No. On the edge of space. No space. A girl. No. Two girls. No. Now. No. More than ever. Stop it. A renegade cop. Uh, I hate you. A robot renegade cop. You're fired. You're fired. No, you're actually fired. I'm fired. Welcome to At The Movies, everybody. Excited about this morning. Excited you are here with us. Uh, if you don't have a seat, find a seat, all right? You, there's probably plenty. Just scooch in, get close to your neighbor. How many excited it's November? Come on, somebody. How many? And how many are a little bit happier because you stayed up until midnight to watch a little bit? I got so many texts and calls right when they won. I was like, what if I was sleeping? And nobody, just nobody even thought I would. <laughs> we actually let our kids stay up. We screamed ourselves hoarse, everybody. Because I doubted and doubted till the very bitter end. And I even doubted then. Even when the people were running on the fields, I still didn't think it happened. So we're just going <laughs> to, it's going to be a good morning. All right. We're excited. Excited about that. If you already did, you got your drink and your popcorn. We're going to do what we always do. So come on with me. We're going to open our drinks together. If you already opened them and drank them during worship, shame on you. All right, Shane. <laughs> we got plenty of refills. Go grab another one. All right. Come on. Let's just make that snapping sound. Come on. That's the sound of at the movies. That's what I loved. These are not props up here, by the way. One year they gave me props that were empty and I hated them for it. And so now I have actual popcorn and a drink. So it's a great time. Great thing. A couple of things for it. How many enjoyed the props out in the foyer? You guys enjoyed those? Awesome job. That is our team and volunteers this week. Great job. Awesome, awesome job, you guys. I want to just say thank you, everybody who came out. Just an awesome, awesome job. But we're excited about November. And before we start, we always do one of my favorite parts, and that is the movie trivia. That is our part where you guys get to interact and guess and jump and shout. And so what we're going to do is we're going to show you a clip from a movie, kind of ease ourselves into this before we get to our actual movie. And if you've never been to At The Movies before with us, just hang on, all right? The ride is quite something. But we're going to throw up a picture. Shout out if you know the movie. We'll start easy in week one. One and we'll kind of ramp it up as we go. But show up that first picture. Who knows what movie we're looking at? There we go. Okay, good. I, you're with me. Gave you a softball throw there. Lion King. Little known fact about the Lion King. First of all, Akuna Matata is should be a life phrase that you have. It's not biblical, but it's close, everybody. All right, it's, it's somewhere. But this is honestly one of my favorite movies growing up. But one thing you might not understand about The Lion King, little known fact, is Disney was actually sued by a hyena biologist after this movie came out. Show my hyenas up there. Where are they at? Next picture on that one. Because of their portrayal of hyenas as villains. Come on. Some of you are saying, I have no idea there was such a thing as a hyena biologist. And so... You know one thing, they're easily offended. There we go. You just know something about apologies to any hyena biologists we have in the church. Also, fun fact about the Lion King is every time in that movie, when you heard a lion roar, the animal you were actually hearing was a a tiger, everybody. They still had an extra guy in the field. Barely they still had an extra guy in the field. Barely get him off. Daniels for the win. Caught. It's gone. 
LSU does it. Mason Taylor. I wanted just to bring it with you, all right? <laughs> just to have a moment together. There may be heartache ahead of us, but right now, come on, right now, we can, <laughs> we can enjoy. All right, next clip up here. Who knows the movie? Shout it out. Titanic. There we go. Come on. It's Titanic. Iconic. Titanic. Something you might not know is the movie Titanic actually costs more to film than the boat costs to build. Come on, somebody. Adjusting for inflation. After even adjusting for that, it costs more to make. You could have rebuilt the entire boat just all at once. You could have just had it rebuilt. Wouldn't even have to need the door for old Jack out in the water. Just it could have been awesome. All right. Next one. Name that movie. Anybody know this one? The Martian. Okay, we had a few people, right? The Martian. Matt Damon is an astronaut sent to Mars, gets stranded, and needs to be rescued. Not to be confused with this movie, Interstellar, where Matt Damon is an astronaut on a faraway planet needing to be rescued. Not to be confused with this movie, where Matt Damon is a private in World War II needing to be rescued. After which, after which several concerned fans came together and started a movement called Stop Sending Matt Damon Places. Come on, so... <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like a good thing to do. But today we're actually looking at the middle film of that, Interstellar. That's the movie we picked for week number one, where a man named Cooper and his family are living in a dystopian earth where a blight has killed the crops. And everything is going wrong and they've run out of food and it looks like humanity is in its last days. Take a leg. Get a move on. Four o'clock today, you and me in the barn, herbicide resistance 101. Check. Is there another table, Bert? Dad, can you fix this? What the heck did you do to my lander? It wasn't me. Let me guess. Was your ghost? It knocked it off my shelf. Keeps knocking the books off. No such thing as a ghost, Dad. Tell her. Wow, it's not very scientific, Murph. You said science is about admitting what we don't know. She's got you there. You have a good day, school. Hold up. Parent-teacher conferences. Parent, not grandparent. Slow down, Turbo. It's not a dust storm. Nelson's torching his whole crop. Light? They're saying it's the last harvest for okra. Ever. He's planting corn like the rest of us. How's this work? You guys come with? I've got class. This one needs to wait. What did you do? They'll tell you about it when you get in there. They're not going to be mad. Not with me. Just please try not to. Hey, relax. I got this. Little late, Coop. Yeah, we had a flat. Take a seat. So, uh, Miss Hanley's here to talk about Murph. Murph is a great kid. She's really bright, but she's been having a little trouble lately. She brought this in to show the other students the section on the lunar landings. Yeah, it's one of my old textbooks. She always loved the pictures. It's an old federal textbook. We've replaced them with the corrected versions. Corrected? Explaining how the Apollo missions were fake to bankrupt the Soviet Union. You don't believe we went to the moon? I believe it was a brilliant piece of propaganda that the Soviets bankrupted themselves, pouring resources into rockets and other useless machines. Useless machines? 
And if we don't want a repeat of the excess and wastefulness of the 20th century, then we need to teach our kids about this planet, not tales of leaving it. And one of those useless machines they used to make was called an MRI. And if we had any of those left, the doctors would have been able to find the cyst in my wife's brain before she died instead of afterwards. And she'd have been the one sitting there listening to this instead of me, which had been a good thing because she was always the, the calmer one. I'm sorry about your wife, Mr. Cooper. But Murph got into a fistfight with several of her classmates over this Apollo nonsense. So we thought it would be best to bring you in and see what ideas you might have for dealing with her behavior on the home front. Yeah, you know what? Um, there's a game tomorrow night. She's going through a bit of a baseball phase. Her favorite team's playing. There's going to be candy and soda. I think I'll take her to that. How'd it go? I got you suspended. What? Show of hands, anybody ever got their kids in trouble? Anybody just gone the other way, right, with the generational thing? Got your kids in the hot water. So you have Cooper and you have his daughter, Murph. So these are our two protagonists. These are our characters. And Cooper actually used to be a pilot. He was an astronaut. So when he's talking there, he actually left the stratosphere and piloted a craft. But now he's become a farmer. Because the world didn't need astronauts and engineers. They said, we just need farmers because all we're going to focus on is getting enough food. And we won't even think about any other idea to save humanity. And so they're in this, this idea where the blight is taken over. It's eating all the crops. And I'm going to kind of walk you through this movie. And so there's a lot of science fiction things, a lot of movie magic and all of that. And we'll talk about that. But honestly, the main heart of this movie is going to be between Cooper and Murph. The idea between a father and a daughter and the themes that come from that. And so Blight has taken over the land and a dust storm is consuming the planet. And then you have Murph who's talking about these things happening in her room that she calls a ghost. A book falls off, the dust is swirling, all this stuff. And so she doesn't know what to call it, so she calls it a ghost. And she's seeing this happen. And Cooper, as an engineer, he's like, it's not scientific, Murph. It's not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to observe it with you. And so they sit together and they observe it and they realize together that gravity is what's causing it. And so they start to record what's happening in the room, and it actually gives them coordinates, uh, spelled out in the sand. It gives them coordinates to a secret NASA base. And they find this mission in progress to save the world. They find this, this mission of rockets and NASA and everything has been happening behind closed doors in order to save the world. And it, they say to Cooper, they're like, it doesn't make sense that you made it here. It doesn't make sense that you found this place. It doesn't make sense that you're with us. But all we know, all we understand, Coop, is that you are here and we actually need an astronaut pilot. Come on, movie magic, right? That's just what they, they just have to jump that, that chasm right there. And say, we need you to pilot the mission, but you could be gone for years. We're trying to find planets where Earth could, where humans could go and live, but you could be gone for years, so you have to say goodbye to everybody that you know. But you could save humanity. And so Cooper agrees to save his kids, to save humanity. He agrees to leave. Talk to me, Murph. 
I need to fix this before I go. I'll keep it broken so you have to stay. After you kids came along, your mom, she said something to me I never quite understood. She said, now, we're just here to be memories for our kids. I think I now understand what you meant. Once you're a parent, you're the ghost of your children's future. He's a ghost in exist. That's right, Mark. Look at me. I can't be your ghost right now. I need to exist. They chose me. Murph, they chose me. You saw it. You're the one who led me to them. That's exactly why you can't go. I figured out the message. One word. You know what it is? Stay. It says, stay, Dad. You don't believe me. Look at the books. Look at this. It says stay. Why? You're not listening. It says stay. No, I'm coming back. When? One for you. One for me. When I'm up there in hypersleep. Or... Or traveling near the speed of light, or near a black hole. Time's gonna change for me. There's gonna run more slowly. Now, when we get back, we're gonna compare. Time will run differently for us? Yeah. Maybe by the time I get back, we, we might even be the same age. You and me. What? Imagine that. No idea when you're coming back. No idea. Oh! oh don't, don't, mind. don't make me leave like this. Come on, Murph. Don't make me leave like this, Murph. Hey, I love you forever. You hear me? I love you forever. And I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Go for main engine start. T minus ten. Start four, three, two, one. Booster ignition and.
having the school in the back, you come across so many kids that their parents have left them. And just from ministering and doing, and, and it's just a glimpse of that world, but you see the heartbreak in so many teens that are just want one chance to tell their parents, stay. Dad, stay. Mom, would you just stay? And they go through these heartbreaks because dad found, you know, another family and mom left them for something. And they just want them to stay. They want that thing. And they've experienced abandonment and they've experienced heartache at an early age. And it is incredible to see the pain that's caused. And not just kids. I've come across adults too that you, you understand if you've experienced that abandonment or rejection. Somebody that was supposed to love you, somebody that was supposed to take care of you, somebody was supposed to make you feel safe and they left and they abandoned. And the problem is then we take those relationship hurts and wounds and then we put them on God and we say, well, if my dad left me, then God's going to leave me too. And if my mom abandoned me, then God's going to abandon me as well. And if that person walked out on me, that's the same way God will treat me. And we put those things on him and we think that I'm going to have to take care of myself. I'm going to have to do it alone. But the thing that Cooper says in this movie, the thing I love the most, he says, I love you forever and I'm coming back. I love you forever and I'm coming back. And that just echoes with me because I don't think movies tell the truth so much as they reflect it. As they reflect truths that are already there. And so when I'm looking for movies during this series, just to kind of peek behind the curtain, I'm looking for ones that reflect certain truths. Because when I heard that line, it just echoed in my brain, kind of rattled around because there's a lot of empty space in there. And it rattled around and it just kind of echoed with me of something that Jesus said. Because the movie just reflects truth. There's an actual truth Jesus spoke in John chapter 14. And we're just going to kind of read through this together today. I want to kind of unpack this because Jesus is about to go to the cross. And so he's kind of, kind of set all this up that night. And he's talking in John chapter 14. And the disciples are getting the... The inkling, they're getting this feeling that this run they're on, there's this three-year run of, of miracles and healing and great crowds and mass healings and all these things that have been happening. They're kind of getting the feeling that it's about to end because Jesus has he's hinted at this before. He's kind of talked a little bit about it and he's told him someone's going to betray me. Peter's going to deny me. All this stuff is going to happen. And he's telling them that the end is coming. And so they're starting to get a little bit worried. They're trying to realize all of this is three years that we've had. This amazing time of ministry is about to come to the end. Jesus predicted he's going to go away and the disciples are shaken up. And so in the midst of this, Jesus is aware of how they're feeling. He's aware of what they're going through. And he says this in John 14. You know he's aware because of how he starts the sentence. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Because why would he say that? Because their hearts were troubled. He understands this is a condition that we go through, that we have troubled hearts. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. That my father's house has many rooms. If it weren't so, would I tell you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Then he says, and if I go and prepare it, I will come back and take you to be with me. That where I am, you may also be. And I want to unpack this fully for this message. But right now, I just want you to understand one of the central themes of this movie, one of the central themes of Christianity is that hope matters. Hope matters. It matters. And then this movie, Cooper says, I'm coming back. And Murph says, when? When are you coming back? And these sermons just kind of write themselves sometimes, you know, because the disciples ask Jesus, when? (laughs) We know you are, but when is it going to happen? And every generation since then has asked, when, Lord? When? (laughs) When are you coming back? When are you coming back? And Jesus even said, even the son himself doesn't know when he's returning, but he is returning. 
He says, even the son doesn't know, but he is coming back. And that person that abandoned you might not be coming back. That person that hurts you and walked out of your life might not be coming back. Listen to me, might not be coming back. But God Almighty is returning and you are his daughter and you are his son and he loves you. And the promises Jesus made, he is coming back. He's coming back. And if there's nothing else you get this morning, I want you to understand God has not forgotten about you. Because hope matters. As the movie progresses, Cooper and the other astronauts, they're in space now, and they're getting ready to land on the first possible planet that might be able to sustain life. Look, I, I, I could swing around that neutron. I could swing around that neutron and start a decelerator. No, 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 it's not that. It's time. The gravity on that planet will slow our clock compared to Earth's drastically. Well, how bad? Well, every hour we spend on that planet will be seven years back on Earth. This is fast for atmospheric entry. Should we use the thrusters to slow? No. no I'm gonna use the Ranger's aerodynamics to save some fuel. Air brake? I wanna get down fast, don't we? Actually, we wanna get there in one piece. Hang on. I'm gonna spiral down on top of it. Everybody hang on. Very graceful. No, but very efficient. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Go, 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 go. Seven years per hour here. Let's make it count. This way. There's nothing here. Should be right here. Where's the mountains? Those are mountains. No waves. <laughs> Brand Doyle, back to the Ranger now. Go, go, go. Angle the overriding inside hatch. to an hour. The stuff of life, huh? What's this gonna cost us, Brand? A lot. Decades. I'm counting every minute, same as you, Cooper. Is there any possibility? No, some some clever way we can maybe I don't know jump in a in a black hole. Came back to years. Don't shake your head at me. Time is relative, okay? It, it can stretch and it can squeeze, but it can't run backwards. It just can't. My daughter was ten years old. Couldn't teach her Einstein's theories before I left. 
couldn't you have told her you were going to save the world? No. When you become a parent, one thing comes really clear. And that's that you want to make sure your children feel safe. That rolls out down a ten-year-old. The world's ended. Hour equals seven years. And Coop says, how much time are we going to lose? Decades. We're going to lose decades. And he's thinking about the ones that he loves. And he's thinking about the time that he's now lost. Because they got stuck down there. And I look at this movie. And honestly, if we're talking echoes this morning, we're thinking the thing. I think about you and I. And I think about how much time do we lose in trivial things. And maybe we don't lose it in decades on a planet where we don't have any control over that. But oftentimes we do have control and we still lose it. How much time we waste away on trivial things that don't really matter. How much time on Netflix, on our iPads. Come on, we'll hit close this morning. How much time on our phones looking at posts that won't even matter five minutes from now. How much time do we lose? Because we can laugh at a movie and say, you know, those astronauts got caught in the black hole and they lost all that time. And we don't realize we've got a black hole we carry around with us all the time. How much time have we lost? How much time focusing on these little things, these little trivial things when the big things, our kids who are small for only so long, are suddenly grown? How much time do we waste? Because they're only little for so long and then suddenly they're teenagers and then suddenly they're in college and then suddenly they're building their own families and we look back and we think, where did the time go? Like I didn't have time to instill in them the principles that I wanted to. And my parents so often come to me and say, I didn't, I didn't teach them to worship God when they were two and three because they were just two and three, but now they're 18, 19 and they don't even listen to me. Where's the time go? How do I get the time back? And the answer is you can't. Is there like, is there like a black hole, a wormhole we can jump in, pastor? Can we just like go? And the answer is no, you can't. You've got one life. You have one life to live. What are we doing with our time? And too often times we waste it. And listen to me, I don't care how rich or how poor you are, you only get one life. You only get one. So how are we spending it? What's, what's it look like with your spouse? Are you spending time investing in that relationship? Or is it when we get to that season, then we'll spend some time working on this. Or when we get enough money financially, then I'll be able to, you know, do that or to do this. And then we'll do it. But we'll invest in our golf game. We will invest in working out every morning because we'll invest physically, but we won't take the time. What does it look like? Or we'll spend so much time on Pinterest or Instagram or social media, whatever it is, looking at posts that honestly are not even real, everybody. And you'll compare your life to what looks like a fantasy and it's the highlight reel of everybody else. And we'll look and we'll compare ourselves to something that's not even real, trying to compare. We'll get caught up in that and we'll lose sight of what actually matters. We'll lose sight of the things that actually matter in this life, the time that you have with your family, the time that you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ, the time that you have in this church to make a difference for the kingdom of God. We'll lose sight of the things that actually matter in life because we're giving away our time to things that don't even make a difference. And we're wasting it. It says in James chapter 4, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is your life? Is it but a vapor? A mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Church, we only have one life. What are we going to do with it? Hello, Rob. I've waited years. How many years? 
now it must be. It's 23 years, four months, eight days. We've got years of messages stored. from the beginning. Hey, Dad. Checking in. Saying hi. Um, finished second in school. This curl is still giving me C, so pulled me down, but you know, second's not bad. Grandpa attended the ceremony. <laughs> um, oh. I met another girl, Dad. I, uh, I really think this is the one. Her name's Lois. Is that right there? <laughs> Murphy stole Grandpa's car. She crashed it. She's okay, though. Hey, Dad. died last week. We buried him out in the back 40 next to mom, and, which is where he would have buried you if you'd ever come back. You aren't listening to this, I know that. All these messages are just drifting out there in the darkness. Lois says that, uh, I have to uh, let you go, and uh, so, I guess, letting you go. I don't know wherever you are, Dad, uh, I hope that you're at peace, and bye. never made one of these, man, you were still responding because I was so mad at you for leaving. And then when you went quiet, it seemed like I should live with that decision, and I have. But today is my birthday. And it's a special one because you told me You once told me that when you came back, we might be the same age. And today I'm the age you were when you left. This <laughs> might be a real good time for you to come back. Three years, four months, and eight days that Cooper misses of his daughter's life. 23 years and she says today's a special day dad because today is my birthday and this would be a really good time for you to come back 
You can see her struggling. You can see her faith in her dad's promise fading. You can see she's not believing maybe that he ever promised it or that he ever meant to follow through with it. Have you ever felt like that? If we're just being honest with each other, and you don't have to tell me, if we're being honest with ourselves during a season of struggle, you ever prayed a prayer like that, God, this would be a really good time for you to intervene. It'd be a really good time for you to act, God. It'd be a really good time to do in the Bible. You see so many instances, Old Testament, where people go through these desert experiences and they cry out to God. David cried out in the Psalms, God, are you even paying attention? And we go through moments where we have these wavering struggles. We experience doubts. And listen to me, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubts are structural, but if we leave them unattended, but if we examine them in the light of our faith, in the light of our salvation, because listen to me, when your heart is troubled, when your heart is troubled is when hope matters a great deal. If hope matters at all. And I believe in our text, Jesus looks at his disciples and he sees them freaking out. He sees them about to lose it because they're realizing he's about to leave. And he looks at them, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he gives real reasons for real hope. Watch this, verse one. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You know what it means to believe? One translation says trust. And it's not just believing that God exists. That is the first step of faith, believing that he exists. But it's believing then in who he is. It's trusting him in who he is, that he is a God who loves us. Believing that he's the God who he says he is. Believing he can do what he says he can do. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Believing that he loves us, that he is a good God. The book of Romans says that God did not even withhold his own son. He gave Jesus as a ransom for many. That he is a good God who loves us. That he hears us when we call. That he created us on purpose and for a purpose. That he loves you. That he sent his son Jesus. And Jesus said, I don't even leave you alone. If I go, then the Father will send the Holy Spirit to guide you in all things. Believing that he hears us when we pray. Believing that he loves us. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Believing that he has purpose for you. Believing that he hears you when you call. That he gives salvation freely to us. It takes faith. Let's talk about hope that matters. Jesus is saying, believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in me. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the small things that seem so big in the moment, but they're so small in light of the gift of salvation God has given us. And we'll let our faith be rocked because of all these little things, but instead of the actual salvation Jesus gave us. And Jesus says, believe in me, the one who loves you and cares for you. Then reason number two, watch this in the verse, in verse number two. He says, my father's house are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for you. He's preparing a place. And it's this picture of heaven that Jesus begins to unpack. And if you're not a follower of Christ, I want you to know victory is a place that you can come and feel safe to ask questions and to seek out the spiritual answers that you're looking for. This is a place where we encourage you. We would love to have you with you. But if you are already a follower of Jesus, this verse I would love to look every single one of you in the eye because it would be my honor to tell you that he goes to prepare a place for you and for you and for you and for you and for you. He went to prepare a place for you. The hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life that Jesus says in the promises he gives us, reasons that we can have hope. That he says, I'm going to prepare a place. First Corinthians says, no one has even imagined 
what God has prepared for those who love him. No one's even, it hadn't even entered their mind what God has prepared. No author, no movie director, no Disney or Tolkien or Tolstoy. No, nobody's ever had even the faintest glimpse of what God has prepared. No one has even imagined. You want a reason for hope, church. You want a reason for hope, believe in Jesus. Dr. Brand, Case is relaying a message for you from his home station. Okay, see you right there. Dr. Brand, I'm sorry to tell you that your father died today. He had no pain. He was at peace. I'm sorry for your loss. Is that Murph? She's... She's grown. Brand, did you know? He told you, right? You knew. This was all a sham. He left us here. To suffocate. To starve. Did my father know too? Dad? I just want to know if you left me here to die. My father dedicated his whole life to plan A. I have no idea what she's talking about. I do. Well, he never even helped to get people off the earth. No. been trying to solve the gravity equation for 40 years. Amelia, your father solved his equation before I even left. Then why wouldn't he use it? The equation couldn't reconcile relativity with quantum mechanics. You need more. More? More what? More data. You need to see into a black hole. Your father had to find another way to save the human race from extinction. Plan B, a colony. He was prepared to destroy his own humanity in order to save the species, he made an incredible sacrifice. No. No, the incredible sacrifice is being made by the people on Earth who are going to die. Because in his arrogance, he declared their case hopeless. I'm sorry, Cooper. Their case is hopeless. No. No. We are the future. Cooper, what can I do? Let me go home. Murph asked her dad, Dad, did you leave me here to die? And have you ever felt like that? Haven't you felt like, man, God, I'm going to church. God, I'm doing the things that I need to do. I'm, I'm doing the things I thought I was supposed to do, but it just feels like I'm abandoned. I feel 
Like I'm left to die. I feel hopeless. I feel empty. I feel discouraged. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. I feel, I feel, I feel all of these things. I just feel hopeless. And then you have somebody like Dr. Mann kind of pile on. Have you ever had somebody like that in your life? It's like, yeah, you are hopeless. I don't know why you're even doing all of those things. You are hopeless. You are broken. I don't know why you even bother going to church. It's not going to fix you. You're not going to get better. I don't know why you even bother going to that small group. It's not going to work. You are hopeless. He says their case is hopeless, but I love what Coop says, and I believe it's exactly what our Heavenly Father says over. He says, no, it's not hopeless. No, it's not hopeless. And I believe our Heavenly Father says that over every single one of us. It's not hopeless. You're not hopeless. And he looks at whatever mess you're in and says you're not hopeless. Doesn't matter what addiction you're mired in. He says, you're not hopeless. I can heal people. Doesn't matter how broken your family or how broken you are. He says, I can heal and put things back together. It doesn't matter whatever sin you're stuck in. God looks at you and says, you're not hopeless. I have a plan and a purpose for you. You're not hopeless. And Cooper says that. He, he has that belief. Even though his daughter is wavering, even though he says, just let me go home. Just let me go home. But I believe the Heavenly Father, He looks at us and we see something that's broken. We see something that's hopeless. We see something so far out of reach, we're willing to give up. And He says, you're not hopeless. He says, you're my son and you're my daughter and I love you and you are not hopeless. And if it takes an at the movie Sunday to get that through to you, then so be it. Because the love of God, when He looks at you, you're His creation. And it is never hopeless. It is never hopeless. There is potential and purpose in your life. God created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. God has a plan for your life. It's never hopeless. No matter what darkness you are in, no matter what spiral out of control, no matter what your mind is trying to tell you, no matter what anybody told you this week, no matter what your parents told you growing up, listen, you are not hopeless. God has a plan for you. God has a love for you. He has a purpose for your life. And even better than all of that, listen to me, church, is the promise that he gives us. Verse 3, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. The promise that he gives us, he says, I'm coming back. You feel the force of that statement. He says, I will come back. Because when Jesus came the first time, he came as a servant here to die for the sins of all. When he comes again, he is coming as king. When he comes back, he is coming as conquering king. And the promise he gives us for hope, I'm coming back. In our movie, Cooper sacrifices himself one more time to try to save mankind. He falls into a black hole so he can observe whatever it is they wanted him to observe. And instead of dying, he actually finds himself, it's a bit of movie magic, a little bit of science, a whole lot of movie magic. He finds himself not just floating in space, but in a place where he can actually see back into his daughter's bedroom the day he left. And he can see it at all different moments. And so he realizes that he can send back the information that they need in order to save humanity. And so he begins to do that. And after he's finally sent everything that they need, everything that he can do to save them, feeling like he's done all that he can, he goes to sleep. Mr. Cooper. 
right, let's take it slow, sir. Nice and easy, Mr. Cooper. Remember, you're no spring chicken anymore. Actually, you are 124 years old. Where am I? Cooper Station. Currently orbiting Saturn. Station isn't named after you, sir. It's, uh, it's named after your daughter. Although she's always maintained just how important you were. She's still alive. says, how did you know? How did you know? Murph spent her whole life hoping her dad would save her. And she, she did everything that she did with the belief that he would. He says, how did you know? And Murph says, because my dad promised me. She lived her whole life believing it. Back to our text one last time. The reasons we have hope. Verse 3, he says, I'll take you with me. To be with me that you may also be where I am. You want a reason to have hope, church? That he's promised one day to take us with him. And better than streets of gold, better than angel choirs, better than naked babies playing harps on clouds, whatever it is you imagine when you think of heaven, better than any of that will be with Jesus. That's the hope of eternity. That's our hope. That's the perspective that we have in the midst of trials. That we'll be with him. Colossians 2 says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind. That's our hope. And just like in this movie where a woman invests her whole life based on the hope that her dad would come back and save her, and he did. And you and I have to decide what we're going to base our lives on. We have to make a decision. What do we base our life around? What changes the actions that we're taking right now? Because if we believe in God's promises of eternity, it will change the way we live our lives today. Because the promise of heaven and the promise of eternity, knowing Jesus is coming back, doesn't mean we live in an apathetic, kind of just hold on kind of way. No, it means we live with urgency, knowing the time is short. Knowing that he's coming back. And no, we don't know when. No generation has ever known when. But listen to me, whether or not we're living in the last days, you are living in your last days. And we have an urgency that we live with. That we have been called 
that we're going to reach as many people with the love of Jesus and the promise of eternity that we can. That we are called to preach the gospel with the hope that we have that he came to save us, that he's coming back again, and that he has promised us eternity. It's the hope that we have, church. The hope that we have, and we're going to reach every person we can with the love of Christ. The promise. The promise of God. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. I want to pray that we would learn to hope again. That we would learn to live our lives around the promises God has made. That we live our lives believing Him. Before I do that, if you're here and you're thinking, well, Pastor, that sounds great, but it's been a really long time since I had any hope. It's been a really long time. If I was honest, it's been a long time since I had anything to hope in. Listen to me. Hope is only found in one place, and that's in Jesus. It's only found in one place. And that's in Jesus. The promise of hope both in this life and the life to come. And so right now, I would love to give you an invitation. Not to join a church, not to join a club, but an actual opportunity to put your faith and your hope in Jesus. If you want that promise of eternity, if you want that promise of assurance, if you want His love, the Holy Spirit in this life, if you want God's love in your life, if you want to turn over your life to Him, I would love to give you that shot right now. If you feel broken, I promise you He heals the broken. If you feel lost, I promise you He searches and finds the lost. If you feel your life in turmoil, He is the God of peace. You say, well, who is Jesus to me? Jesus is the perfect son of God who came to this earth, lived a perfect life and died in your place and in mine for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. The Bible says God raised him from the dead so that anyone, including you, anyone, including me, anyone could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. That's the hope that we have. That we can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. So I want to give you that option. I want to give you that chance to make a decision. And our church is dedicated. We will pray this prayer with anybody who wants to live their life for Christ. So right now, with heads bowed, right now, if you'd like to pray that prayer, pray it with us. Say these words. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of all of my sins, of all my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again and I make you Lord of my life. And Father, I pray today you would give us hope. God, let us live our lives around the promises that you have made, God. Let us live our lives that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. Let us live our lives that you have promised to send the Holy Spirit to guide us. Live our lives with the promise that you save us. Live our lives with the promise that you are coming back. Lord, give us hope again. Lord, let us believe again. Lord, let us put our trust in you again. Let us live our lives knowing that you are coming back for us. Knowing that you love us, that the Holy Spirit is with us always, and that Jesus, one day you are returning as King. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give him praise for what he's done today?